0: The way that you sort of find your writing voice is, one, you have to write a lot, and you have to be willing to embrace the suck.
1: Hey, everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Emily Reagan here, founder of the VA Crash Course and Digital Media Unicorn I'm bringing you today a very special interview from inside my Facebook group. If you want to join, a link is in the show notes. But every week I bring in an expert freelancer to share their story and talk about how they niche down, what they charge, how they grew their business, all of the good stuff, the insider stuff. And what I love about these interviews is it's the people who are doing the work behind the scenes. Because as we know, every single business owner has help, especially when they're successful. So today, Today I am playing the interview with Justin Blackman from Pretty Fly Copywriting. He writes voice guides for all the bigwigs in online business, and I'm talking all of the bigwigs like Amy Porterfield, Stu McLaren, Tarzan Kay. He basically writes these brand voice guides that train and onboard their new writers to their teams, so it keeps their brand consistent and it keeps their internal writing system streamlined, and it provides that in-house training for these new contractors. His voice guide method is different from what you'd find in your client's brand guide, which usually just has logo rules, hex colors, founder's story, and the promise. His brand, Mimicry Tactic, will help you write better for your own clients and becoming more magically unicornish. I think we all need good writing skills and copywriting skills when we are doing this part of the business. It comes into play in all of our aspects. And I find one of the most stressful parts is writing in a client's voice and having them nitpick you when they're unhappy and they don't feel like it's right. So Justin will design the documents and bring out the scientific facts to bring out a client's brand voice so you can stand by your decisions and your cadence and your tone and all of that. I've invited Justin to disclose his story about how he's built his freelance business as a copywriter and share insight for you because you're also a behind-the-scenes magic maker and we're curious. And those of you who love writing for clients, you may want to niche down in this copywriting realm after you learn from Justin. So I've asked him to talk about Bullet points and his love of the Bang and all nerdy things copywriting. So let's jump in. Hey, everyone. We are here with Justin. I am so excited to have the pretty fly copywriter here, the brand ventriloquist in the house. (laughs) So I met Justin at the Copywriter Club, and it was the In Real Life conference in March. I don't think I talked to you until the last day when I'd had a drink or two in me. Sounds um, right. Yeah. But I remember you getting on stage and talking, and I was just really fascinated by everything you did and what you taught. And it plays into everything we do as unicorns. So I couldn't wait to have you on the show. And yeah, so tell everyone about you. Give us some personality behind
2: about you.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, so essentially, <laughs> I make writing fun. Because it's fun for me that way, and one of the things that I found is if it's fun to write, it's going to be fun to read. So I just kind of keep it that way. I didn't have formal writing training when I came out. Um, when I came out, when I started my, my business,
1: yeah, that was wrong. <laughs> that
0: I write better than I speak. I'll only that up front. But really, I mean, I remember in high school writing notes to my girlfriend. See, again, not coming out <laughs> um, now. Different person, but now my wife, I still write to her. But I remember she looked at something. She's like, wow, you write like you talk. And it was because I put my ums and ahs in it. And I would like do like dot, 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 like drawing out things. And this is before emojis and back on pen and paper when I was even drawing smiley faces then. Uh, But I just always, I always kind of like, I didn't realize that that was unique to me. So I just sort of alliterate and try to make things punchy. And I just always had this like weird style. And it turns out that, uh, that it worked for people. (laughs) Um, and then I also studied a lot of stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. and the writing techniques behind that are really about like writing short and punchy. And, uh, you know, it's not necessarily about being the funny, but it's finding the funny words and the funny approach to things, um, looking at, uh, problems and even life situations from different angles Mm-hmm. and just trying to see things in a different way and being able to communicate that differently. And that was always sort of one of my superpowers. Uh, later on, I was working for, uh, I was in field marketing, a lot of sampling programs. So they were for Red Bull, Puma, Five Hour Energy, uh, where I got a chance to speak to thousands and thousands of consumers. And I was just listening to what people were saying and then repeating it back to people later and using their words and just connecting Really quick. I mean, you have like two seconds to connect with someone in, in real life, and then sort of talk about the problems uh, that they're facing and the solutions that you're offering. Uh, wound up creating a training program for Red Bull, which is still being used today. And that was sort of my entry into copywriting. Eventually, I aged out of field marketing to the point like when I went on college campuses and they started calling me sir. Uh, I, realized, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, something changed. <laughs> so, um, basically, went into the corporate side. Where, um, like, I was sort of writing the scripts for for field marketing, and kind of said, you know, there's probably a, a, a lesson on how to do this better. And that's really when I discovered copywriting, and just sort of fell in love. So now instead of talking to people, I write to people.
1: So what was your? Do you have a college degree?
0: I do. Yeah, it was uh, sports marketing. Uh, oh, okay, from Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's awesome. I did a little bit of sports media relations for yes. uh, University of Oklahoma, but I realized I did not want to work every evening, a weekend.
0: I, yeah. I pretty much <laughs> had a great And yeah. really, what I also found was it wasn't so much working in sports that drove me. It was being around passionate people. Mm. Like I stopped caring about the game and I was more interested in the fans and just being around people that, um, you know, sort of said like we when they were talking about the team. Uh, And I was like, so I started kind of going into the psychology of that and studying the marketing. That's what fascinated me. It was more the behind the scenes uh, passions and uh, motivations that really, really resonated with me. I didn't really care about the sport. So then I moved out and just went into traditional marketing after that. I
1: I can see that. That's interesting how your degree is related, but I think it's encouraging for everybody here in the group who has done something random that doesn't seem to relate, but it all can come together in the end. So how did you get into copywriting? And did you take a course or like how did you buff up your skills there?
0: So uh, all copywriters get into this by accident. It's just the common theme through all of us. Uh, what happened was when I was in field marketing, um, typically the shelf life for any role, like the max shelf life is three years. And I was on this this treadmill of every three years trying to find a new job because the programs would go, they'd be like, okay, we're a success. And then they just shut down field marketing. It just always happened everywhere I went. Then I was sort of expecting it. It happened, uh, got laid off, and said, all right, you know what? I'm going to try to do this for myself. And I had taken a little bit of the, the copywriting knowledge to create some of the scripts. But then I started to create my own website, figuring I would start my own company. And um, that's when I discovered what copywriting really was. And I spent six months doing a deep dive into copywriting so I would be able to launch my own business. Oh. After six months, I had run out of money because I never actually launched the business <laughs> because I was just studying copywriting. Fascinated, and I just went down this rabbit hole. And then I was like, "Oh, I need to find a job because I don't have any money left." My mom's getting really mad at me. So, <laughs> um, so I started applying to uh, to roles. I found one with a big hotel company here in Atlanta. Um, did not have the qualifications that they were looking for, but I wrote a kick-ass cover letter, and that's what got me hired. And I eventually, my role was as a content manager, but I eventually became a copywriter
2: there. Okay, uh, so sort
0: of redefine the role. And they actually changed the whole position like to customize it toward my strengths.
1: Okay, time out. I want to stop right there on your magical words cover letter because a lot of our unicorns, especially inside my student group, are stuck on that. And we've been going over that the last couple of weeks. Do you have any, without making it too long, any magical tips for standing out with a cover letter or like, what did you say in yours?
0: <laughs> so um, the first part was I'm trying to remember. I have a very important tip that I'm going to save. I'm trying to remember how it started. Um, okay. I customize everything. I customize every single cover letter. Um, I'm trying to. It's been several years. Since <laughs> okay. But uh, but do not underestimate them. Do not just send a generic one because everyone can read through that. Yeah. Uh, I did a quick summary. I did bullet points, like uh, something like after seven years of working in. This and that, and dropped a couple of names: Puma, Red Bull. Uh, I have the blah 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 to match the blah. I have the strengths to match the 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 role of this. So it was a it was a, started out with a relatively long sentence about my background, my qualifications, why they should continue reading, and then quick bullet points, and then I did a quick close about you know standard how to follow up. But the most important thing that I did is I always looked on LinkedIn and sort of social stalked the the people that had posted the job, um, which you can do relatively easy. And then, and this is super important, put in a PS when you're done with it and make it a custom note. Okay. Everybody reads a PS. It is one of the most important parts of any single letter. Every copywriter does it. um, And, you know, there's always a call to action, the CTA, like the Mm -hmm. hyperlink text. It's always going to be somewhere in the body copy and then they're going to close and then they're going to put it again in the PS. Everybody reads a PS, put something important there, make yourself stand out and get noticed. And that um, every time, not every time, but um, my response rate to cover letters went up dramatically when I put oh. in a PS.
1: So what kind of PS would you use? Because my students know to do a PS in emails, they know to do bullet points, but I never thought about that for a cover letter. It's yeah.
2: What would your
0: BS
1: say? I mean, I'm sure it's something funny,
0: but. Um, you know, it wasn't always something funny, it was always okay. something personal. Like, uh, okay. hey, so that uh, you know, whatever college they went to. I went to UMass, we're rivals, hope you don't hold it against me. Something like that. Just
1: okay. a little
0: personal note, like not something generic, but something from me to that person, that was an aside conversation. Okay. Um, you know, it's like uh, check the out on Facebook. My kid has the same shirt as you. Um, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um, this
1: is good. I do this in my PR pitches as well. I, you know, it's kind of one on one. It's finding that connection. But yeah. I love that translation for the cover letter, and I've done that before. I've been like, we have the same sofa. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I've <Yeah>. done that. <laughs> you know what? That it's always brought up. When like we have the same sofa and I guarantee you that I'm going to ask, but I'm assuming that the answer is going to be yes here. When you started the conversation with them, did the sofa come up?
1: Oh yeah. Where did yeah. you get it? I got it at Macy's. Yeah. Look, we're it's... awesome. We have the same taste, you know.
0: Yep. It's <laughs> it's that little bonding moment that separates you. It's like, oh, they're just like me. I want to be with someone that's, I want to work with someone yeah. that's like
1: me. Yeah. Um,
0: we're already, you've got one foot in the door.
1: At what point do we cross the line and become too stalker?
0: Uh, <laughs> hey, you saw that like you pick your kid up every day at three o'clock from preschool. As See you there. i <laughs> yeah. do that. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you for that little side note because I know my people are struggling to stand out because you know someone will make a post for a VA and like it's like Shark Tank and everyone's jumping on there. So I'm all about how do you stand out. So that those were some great tips. Yeah. Right, let's go back to your copywriting journey. So you. Mm-hmm. You got stuck in the learning process and not in the doing process. <laughs>
2: Six and then, months. Yeah,
1: yeah. Pick me, pick us up from there, which a lot of people here can relate to. They're like obsessing over their Facebook page when I say it doesn't matter, but you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, this is actually kind of funny. So when I got in the interview, again, I was not qualified for the role that they were looking for. that mm-hmm. uh, They posted and I didn't think I was going to get the job. Um, I had been through the interview is going okay, but. I knew that I I wasn't built for the role that they were looking for. Turns out that there was another role that they wanted to create, but hadn't yet. And I wanted to. Ooh,
1: you did the slide-in move.
0: Yeah. So they got to the point and they said, Well, tell us what you think of our writing. And I looked at it and I was like, Honestly, there's I, I see some room for improvement. She said, Thank you, tell me more. And I I kind of gently broke down some areas that I thought that they could change. And I don't know that I would have done that if I thought I was going to get the job. I probably would have said, oh it's great. Yeah, I'm on board. This I could do this. This is perfect. But I didn't think it was good. And then they actually brought me out to change it and prove it.
1: Oh so they liked having the honest person, the honest critique. That's awesome.
0: That's what landed me the the gig. The cover letter got me in the door but being honest and showing politely (laughs) showing Mm -hmm. things to change. Uh, and areas for opportunity, uh, the opportunities to uh, to improve is what got me in.
1: Okay, so how long were you in that job?
0: I was there for three years.
1: Okay, and then what happened?
0: I had done a uh, project called the Headline Project, where I wrote one hundred headlines every day for one hundred days, mm-hmm. uh, and I just put it up online, and that's really what got me in the general public as a as a copywriter. Because okay. you know, when I was in the house, no one knew who I was. I was the best person, in the, the best writer in the building. But outside of the building, I was nobody. Didn't have a business, didn't have clients. And then I, I did this, the, the headline project, which was essentially solving a problem in public. And people saw my transformation and they saw like at the beginning, they weren't very good. But by day 100, they were pretty solid. Uh, at that point, I'd written 10,211 lines. Oh my God. And I did this for free. I did mm-hmm. not get paid for it. And it was a nightmare. I don't necessarily recommend doing this. It was was a struggle. I was exhausted. There's a whole post about it you can read. Um, But that got me out there. And that gave me the credibility as someone that was willing to work and look at things differently and kind of got me recognized. Uh, About a year later, somebody contacted me, which seemed like out of the blue. It was because of the headline project. They read my post. They were looking for funny copywriters. I was the number two search result on that. They sent me a, a test. Yeah, they sent me a, a test project and, uh, and I mailed it, and then they offered me a, they offered me a full-time role, and I turned it down and said, "No, but I'll, I'll bring you on as a retainer client." And I left my role and with the company, started my own uh, agency my own, not really an agency, it was me yeah. um, <laughs> and brought them on as a client. Oh
1: my God, uh, how are you feeling at the time?
0: Scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, but I did have that safety net where I had the client, and it was a, it was a good client. I got paid a lot of money and I, I s- brought them on a retainer deal. I made them sign a contract. And I also included and this was important. I said, Look, I'm leaving a, a very good job to take you on. I'm excited about this. I really want to do it, but I need some stability. So I'm going to include a 90 day out clause. In okay. the contract, I need 90-day notice, not like a standard 30-day for a retainer. I need 90 days. And they said, you're fine. We want to keep this going for, for as long as we can. Uh, and that went on for over a year. And then I got the 90-day the notice, which I saw coming because their business had changed a little bit. And now I actually still do write for them little by little, um, like on a project-by-project project basis. Okay. Uh, but that gave me over a year's worth of steady income. Oh, that's awesome. And made me a lot of money. And during that time, I was also able to build my own business and get some other additional clients, which is where I sort of focused, niche down, and uh, focused on voice.
1: Okay. So how did you know what to charge with that very first client?
0: I asked my network. I basically they they said, What are you making now? Like in my my corporate job. And I told them and they're like, What do you want to make? And I told them. I said, Okay, now divide that by. You know, I think it was divided by like 52 weeks or 48 weeks, depending on how how many weeks you want to work, figure out what you need to make per month and, and go from there. Yeah. Just a
1: reverse engineer. Yeah. Awesome. And you got it.
0: I did. I didn't get the full asking price, but I I got it making and, uh, yeah, it went up really well. I, the first year freelancing, um. At at that point, I considered myself a freelancer. Now I consider myself a business owner, which was a a mind shift. Mm -hmm. Um, But at that point, freelancing, I literally doubled my salary. Now, I lost my benefits and 401k and vacation times, things like that. So it wasn't 100% profit, but dollar per dollar, I I doubled my, my income.
1: That's awesome. I think people don't understand that when they see like revenue and don't think about what profit is, but that is awesome to double it. I think it's yeah. so motivating for everybody here in the group, too, because it's scary to get that first client, know what to charge, and just put themselves yeah. out there like that.
0: So one of the biggest reason that I was able to do that was when I didn't need the money, I was marketing myself. The headline project, I didn't get paid a dime for that, but I was able to do it because I was still working full-time and I was doing things in public, and that got my name out there. Okay. And then when so I really set myself up for opportunity. So it looked like it just fell on my lap, but it didn't. It was no. a year of work that brought my SEO value up, got my credibility, my name out there, and that's what brought that to me.
1: Okay, this is so inspiring to hear this origin story because you know me having met you for the first time at this event, I'm like, oh, here's this bigwig making like five figure contracts, like untouchable. To <laughs> some of the some of us are working hourly, like we're still getting started. But to hear that 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 was the process and it takes time and it takes doing the work and it takes like having a passion so yeah. great so tell me the you know the number one reason I wanted you here was to talk about brand voice yeah. and how you have niche, niche this area out for yourself and what advice you have for some of us who are working for clients who are sometimes difficult about <laughs> and very picky about their adjectives like when they haven't thought of it until you see it in writing and then they tear it apart but I, I want you to tell that story and give us some tips too
0: sure so while I was working at the hotel company um, I was in charge of the um, the loyalty program or my content. I was in charge of the content for the loyalty program so we had 14 different hotels and we had an email list of seven million people all from coming in from different hotels so there was like business travelers there was corporate travelers there was family travelers there was extended stay travelers. Each of these people had a different motivator between a different reason to travel. It was all different personas. It was different avatars. Mm-hmm. Everything was different. Then we had the parent brand voice and then we had the, uh, the loyalty voice. So there was every time I wrote something, we had to translate it in like 14 to 16 different voices. And the, wow. the fact is the, the voice guides that we had were pretty awful. When you looked at their style guides, it had everything down to the uh, the Pantone color and how many pixels something could be next to the logo. But when right. it came to voice, everything was left so generic that when it came time to review the copy, I could be in a room with 12 different people. All 12 people can have an opinion and all 12 of them could be right. It was left into such open interpretation that everything we put out was just watered down garbage <laughs> and I just, it was frustrating. It was, I didn't have anything to defend my work, even though every time I wrote something, it outperformed whatever the controls were.
1: Oh my Uh, gosh, I love that. Like you had nothing to defend your work. I am writing that down because that's what I need.
0: for my own business. I I had the data, I had the numbers, Mm -hmm. but writing and anything creative, everyone has, they feel like they can put their fingerprints on it and they don't necessarily respect the expertise. And that is a real challenge for creatives. Yes. When you are able to formulate and calculate, you can start to defend your work a little bit more when you have the results. I had taken a course called the Codex Persona, which was created by Abby Woodcock. I'm not going to take credit for creating it. I'm now a core instructor in this course. Okay. And that taught me how to mathematically measure voice, where we break it down into three things, the vocabulary, so level of uh, English that you're using uh, level of words if it's like on a first grade reading level or collegiate reading level. yeah. So the vocabulary, the tone, which are the emotions behind your voice and the cadence, which is the rhythm of your writing. And so you have vocabulary, tone and cadence. I like to play around with it and call it the, the words tone and frequency, which is WTF. So, <laughs> WTF the voice. but I can literally uh, offer tools that measure these and we can analyze it and put you in a box, and then create a voice guide around that, so your writers can replicate it and sound exactly the way that you want them to sound, and have everything sound like it came from one person, even if it didn't.
1: I love that, and you've done this for big clients, to help their teams that have multiple writers, so how is that a hard process?
0: Uh, It was hard to justify at first, Um, when I, I knew that I could do it, but nobody would pay me to do it and I couldn't I had a hard time getting my first clients I I've since I'm now a co-instructor of Codex persona and that came from me just like just diving into this course really really deep and talking to Abby and reaching out to her and being like I love what you're doing here this is so helpful I'm able to uh, you know really validate what I'm what I'm saying really want to do more and she's like come on keep going and then I started, finding things and sending her information. And it got to the point where Abby was starting to do other things. And she reached out to me and said, Hey, you want to be my co-instructor? I'm
2: like, hell yeah. Awesome.
0: Um, so that gave me the validation and the credibility to move forward. Mm-hmm. The problem was up until I had that, I was afraid to step on her toes. And yeah. I really, I really held back. Like I didn't mm-hmm. want to go start talking about vocabulary, tone and cadence. Cause I'm like, well, that's Abby's thing. Yeah. And Abby even gave me permission to do it. I was like, well, no, you're the voice expert. And then once you brought me on, that gave me the authority. And that was a total mindset shift. Um, What held me back was me. Abby said, go ahead. But it wasn't until I I had the platform that I felt comfortable to do it. But then I still couldn't get clients. So what I did is I reached out to my network and I offered to do some voice guides for my friends who are writers that have teams for dirt cheap.
1: Excellent Um, advice, by the way. Excellent.
0: Yeah. I just... I think I charged $500 for my first one. I now get $5,500 for them. The same thing that I sold for $500. And I had a hard time selling it for $500 Um, because people didn't know what it was. Yeah. And then I created it and they're like, oh my God, how did you do this? Yeah. And I, I was able to explain the process because I had the math. It wasn't the opinions. It wasn't like the loose guidelines. It was straight out structure and measurement. And I put a process behind it and I had a framework. And they're like, yeah, do more of this. And they started telling people about it. I had now had a sample that I was allowed to show people, which was a long, (laughs) that (laughs) went a long, long way. Yeah, Um, I over-delivered the hell out of it. And that's what led me to to really becoming the the brand ventriloquist.
1: Hey, this podcast is sponsored by my very own GIF and sticker making workshop. Turn your clients' videos into GIFs design branded stickers for Instagram stories, and master the art of making your own GIF for promo emails. This is fun unicorn magic that we can do behind the scenes easily for our clients. The workshop is one hour, just $17.99. The link is in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash GIF workshop. That's G-I-F workshop. Back to the show. How did you get the big clients? Did they? Does it fall naturally once you built your reputation?
0: So, the what happened was I was working with it, it, I didn't like Amy Porterfield was the first big client that I got. I had worked okay. for Tarzan K. Um, Amy Porterfield came through a referral from one of her writers, uh, Shanti wow. Zach, who is oh, like the is, yeah, yeah the queen. Yeah, uh, I, took her, I
1: took her course. I actually have a couple of students right here right now who are in her course too.
0: She's great. I'm a gigantic mm-hmm. fan of her. One of the best people I've ever met. She was writing for for Amy. And I showed Shanti the voice guide. And she's like, this is incredible. I'm like, it's not hard. She's like, it's not hard for you. I didn't realize that like people couldn't do this. Yeah. I didn't know that that was like my, my superpower. So I took it very serious. She introduced me to, to Amy's team, um, created a guide, took it super serious. I think the final version became like 97 pages. And I went super deep on this mm-hmm. and delivered it, and that opened up the door. Once I was able to say, I work for Amy. Yeah. It gave me uh, I think they called the somebody called it the Frank Sinatra client. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere.
1: Yes. Uh, and your confidence is probably like through the roof now.
0: Yeah. Amy's team introduced me to Stu McLaren. Uh another writer introduced me to Danny Iney And it just sort of now like once I had those under my belt, uh the referral started coming in. And the, the, what's also important is what I do is uh, tangent to what other writers do. So I'm not in yeah. com- competition with them. I'm offering a service that other people don't offer.
1: You are doing the exact blue ocean strategy that everybody teaches because this, this space is so filled with great writers But you have found your niche, like you said, and your superpower. And anyone in here in this group, you could do this too. Not I mean, I'm not saying copy co- Justin, but find that thing you're good at. And yeah. I know people, I know copywriters who are, like the queen of bios, you know, um, one sheets, even Instagram bios are like all of that stuff. There are like so many options out there where you can, you know, narrow it down.
2: Tons.
1: So what does your business look like now? How many of these brand voices are you pumping out a, um, a month? Like, like what does the work look like?
0: So I'll tell you, the voice guides are exhausting. Oh, um, I bet. <laughs> one, Some of them are great. When I have a client who I resonate with and I'm like, yes, oh my God, like I found it. And like Stu McLaren was great, Amy was great. Yeah. So I do I aim for two a month. Uh it doesn't always happen. Okay. Um and I I say uh four to five week turnaround. Okay. But truth be told, if I really hunkered down, I could turn it around in three days. But it's exhausting. Right. Um because you have there's the deep focus work for creating these with analyzing people, uh reading all of their content, figuring out the do's and don'ts. Um, because I really have to to focus hard. And you know, with the kids home and everything, it's it ain't easy.
1: Uh, It's not.
0: Yeah. So
1: actually getting any work done longer than 15 minutes, unless Netflix is on. So does the team like read this whole document together? Is there like a walkthrough with the team or do you help the team learn or do they just read it on their own?
0: So I do a final presentation. Oh, okay. It's really self-explanatory. The guy, it basically goes goes into six sections. And not everyone's going to read all six sections at once. No one would ever do yeah. that. It's the most boring thing in the world. But it's there as a reference. It's like the dictionary or the yeah. sermon. You have it. It's there when you need it. You don't have to go to it every time. There are certain sections you need to, to like the onboarding. It's used as an onboarding doc and then yeah. as a reference to go back
1: to. Okay. So how do you, I don't want you to give away all your trade secrets or anything, but a lot of us are you know, unicorn VA starting out or we're trying to bring in the client's voice, like what, how do you do that? What do you do? Like I say, watch Facebook lives, record Zooms, have them answer questions.
0: I will tell you this, the Facebook lives, well, there's good and there's bad. Um, Speaking voice is very different than writing voice. Mm -hmm. I say a lot of things that I wouldn't write. And I write a lot of things that I would never say. Uh, I write short. My average sentence length is like eight words. It's very, very short. Um it's punchy, it's very alliterative. Um, meaning I use the same sounds, uh like hard P sounds, hard K sounds. Um yeah. it, it's it's very deliberate. That comes through editing. If I'm speaking, it's just it's gonna sound gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause it's> not, <laughs> I know, not, me I, too.
1: Not my forte.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're hearing my first draft. When I write, you're seeing my fourth draft. So big difference. Yeah. Um so keep that in mind. Uh, you can pick out the tones, their emotions, how they feel about things. I'd say that's the biggest thing to pick up from um, okay. from writing, uh, from, from listening, is tones and emotions. But the vocabulary and the cadence is going to be completely different than the way they okay. write.
1: I was watching the news for like a hot second the other day, and I saw Joe Biden's slogan. Have you heard it?
0: No, I don't know it.
1: Build back better.
0: Build back better.
1: What do you think of it?
0: Uh, it's memorable. It's punchy. Um, I, it took me a second to figure out what it means, but I yeah. can actually, that's what, that's kind of what's nice about it. And even, you know, if, even if you look at Trump's, it's interpretive to what you want it to be.
2: Yeah. So good point. I think there's a
0: genius element of that. Like your description of what, again, would be is di- for, for anyone that is voting for Trump is different throughout the board. It could be the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, yeah. it's whatever it was. You're, you're making it again. So build back. Uh, what was it? Build back better.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I just started once. I remembered it. You did. It's, it's the same. Make America great again, build back better. Yeah. It's the same thing, but you can look at it and it sounds completely new and be like, yes, let's go back. So, you know, yeah. you, let's go back to the Obama year. So like, that's, that's probably what it means, but if you talk to a baby boomer, they're like, "Oh, let's go back to the Reagan years or
1: 1980." No, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: um,
1: I just I thought of that because I was hearing it. I was like, "Oh, that's like I wonder if Justin likes that." Yeah, like I'm a stalker now, but with the alliteration in there, so I,
0: I like it. Yeah. It's cool. um,
1: Not to get political, but no, I like it. I like paying attention to the, their slogans and yeah. analyzing them.
2: I so. think it's interesting.
1: Okay, so I have I want you to talk about your course. Um, I just took it. It's about writing with personality. Yeah. And the re and I'll tell about why I like it, but tell me how that came to um fruition.
0: So I I always had a lot of people tell me that they love the way I write. And it's flattering to hear, I will never get tired of hearing that. But to me, it wasn't like I knew what happened in the kitchen. I knew how the sausage was made. So it wasn't that interesting to me. Right. And I was like, well, all I do is I take this technique, this technique, this technique. And what you're reading is this. And it's based on this joke and, and that. And they're like, yeah, no, tell us more about that. So I started showing a little bit behind the scenes in the email. Like I wrote one and then I I broke it down afterward. I'm like, the subject line was taken from kids in the hall. Um, and <laughs> so it sort of showed my, my, uh, it was, yeah, the subject line was no one must know my horrible secret." And which is literally a line from Kids in the Hall. It's one of my favorite sketches about a guy that wore like a squirrel on his head as a toupee. Sure. Okay. Um, Kids in the
2: Hall.
0: And, <laughs> and then I just made like weird little uh references. Like one was to Monty Python, which was actually I had heard as a kid from the Gummy Bears cartoon and the Saturday morning cartoons. And I talked about that, like my influences.
2: What was the Monty uh, Python? One?
0: Uh it was the the white Knigget.
1: Okay. I don't know. Oh, okay. And okay.
0: But I, the gummy bears had the, the white canigan And I remember laughing at that when I was like seven. Um, just totally short my age here, but that's fine. 43. Um, but so I always thought the gummy bears did it. And then I saw the Monty Python in, in high school and I was like, wait a minute, they just stole the gummy bears. And I was like, no, that's probably yeah. not. That. Um, <laughs> so, so cutting edge those
1: gummy bears.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it always made me laugh. So I sort of used that, alliter- the alliteration. Uh, in the email, and I and at the end I broke down where everything was from, and it was my most responded to email ever. Like, show us more of this, and I started doing it. And I was like, all right, if people want to see this, let's let's see if there's something there. And then I basically just broke it down into 57 of my favorite tips, like the way that I make things punchy, and uh, it even said like more. I think I wrote like poppier. Um, I don't remember what it was, but it was three p words, and the last one was. Personality was like more personality Just broke the cadence. Yeah. So I wrote personality as I think it was punchier, poppier, and personality And like, I hated it, but I put it down and so many people commented like, oh my God, that's great. So it was supposed to be a placeholder joke, but it stuck. So okay. of course it was more personality here. But it's basically about how to use all these little day-to-day inspirations and steal like an artist to create your own style right. I just basically show like my favorite examples and be like, this is how, this is what I took it from. And here's how I use it. And yeah. it seems to work really, really well.
1: <laughs> so I don't have any formal copywriting training. I'm a journalist. I've done tons of writing. I've always been a writer and I felt like way out of my league at the TCC. I was like, Oh, I don't belong here. But after I took your hundred dollar course, I was like, What I'm doing, I can do this, and it just there's something to be said with what you were talking about earlier, just like gaining that confidence and that validation. Because I have always had fun writing funky emails, uh, and being myself. And I felt like I couldn't do that for clients, like I'd have to tone it down. And then once I started doing my own business, which only started 18 months ago, it's like this is so much more fun. Like, I like it. I'm not getting ripped apart. I can add humor, like it's fun, it's fun again.
0: That's the goal. I actually wrote it not for copywriters. It was supposed to be, it was designed right. for, or for everybody. It was yeah. designed for people that aren't writers because I thought that all the copywriters already knew these techniques yeah. and they did it. And then because my general audience and my email list is primarily copywriters, yeah. they bought it. And I had a list copywriters. I had million dollar copywriters taking this course and be like, Oh my god, I never knew this.
2: Because it was such a cheap like
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, this This wasn't designed for you. They're yeah. like, I don't care if it wasn't yeah. for me. I love it. So it's sort of like, all right, maybe I'm off to something
1: here. Yeah, you so, are. People need that confidence. Because I get a lot of, of my own students wanting help writing. And they're asking, how can I be a better writer? How can I learn to write? So yeah. can you answer that? I'm just going to throw that at you right now.
0: So <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, really, the way that you sort of find your writing voice is one, you have to write a lot. And you have to be willing to embrace the suck. My first drafts are awful. They are no better than anything that anyone watching this would ever write. First drafts are terrible. And literally like if I sort of like get an idea for a joke, I'll just write joke. I won't write what I'm thinking. Like, I'll, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. Um, so my first drafts are, are, are awful. I embrace the suck. And I just write more. I write a lot. And then little by little, I just sort of, don't edit as you go. Just let yourself yes. be mad. You can't create and edit at the same time. No. Like your brain doesn't allow you to do it. So just you got to shut up the, the left part of your brain that wants to edit and let the, the right creatives and just go. Yeah. So embrace the suck, get everything out, write a lot. And then whenever you see something that you like, when you read something that makes you laugh, stop and look at it be like, what did they do there? And like you'll notice jokes, jokes always end on the funniest word. That's a really powerful technique. It's short, it's punchy. They don't use adverbs like the L-Y verbs, like really slow. They use better verbs. So like instead of I walked really slow, it's I trudged, I crawled, I moved at a snail's pace. I dragged myself across the floor. So trudged, uh, crawled, dragged. Those are better words than walking slow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Slowly, so,
0: yeah. But slowly, yes.
1: I actually so, posted a writing tip in my group on Sunday that it was a direct quote from you that said adverbs are wimpy. Yeah, I think that that was from science
0: yeah. of a wimpy verb.
1: Yeah, thank you. You got it. I misquoted it, but yeah, you got okay. your own quote right. <laughs> you made it your own. Yeah.
0: I'm not the first person. Ever <laughs> uh, Stephen King said the road to hell are paved with adverbs. Oh yes. So, so but that's the thing. Like that's. That's putting the power word at the end. The road to hell is paved with adverbs, which is a spin off The road to hell is paved with good intentions. So it's all just stealing and, and tweaking. So yeah, put your power words at the end. So it's like uh, there's a, one of the standard references that people use for this example is the cat was in the bag or in the bag was the cat. So it's more like it holds the suspense a little bit and you end on the power word. Gotcha. Um, I always try to do that as much as I can. It also loses the passive voice when you do that.
2: Yes, that's a benefit. So, word.
0: yeah, so write an active voice, put the power word at the end, cut adverbs. I'd say those are are the main three things you could do right now to uh, to make things punchier.
1: So, what I liked about your personality course, which is open right now, which we'll have to—I need to put the link in there. It's open right now, but it walks you through it's, different little segments of writing and they're short consumable and you kind of lump things together and things that were aha moments for me were, um, you talked about like probably basic copywriting stuff for you, but you know, bullet points, like how to pull that out. I remember being like, duh, Emily, skimmer, like just follow Justin's advice. So now all my bullets are fixed. Or or I'm paying attention to the rag, like little things you pointed out, because the magic is in some of those details. But sometimes our clients don't appreciate it or see it, but it makes my job more fun And I
0: have the confidence. (laughs) It depends on the type of writing that you're doing. Sometimes you don't want to be seen. You just want the message to be the the main point. Other times you want to put yourself in there. So, most of what I do is I put myself into my writing, but when I'm writing like blog posts for clients, I don't put my personality into it, but yeah. either their personality or right. I just take straightforward. The techniques are still the same. It's just how far I want to go with it.
1: yeah, so do you still do you write blog posts right now?
0: I edit blog posts for people
1: okay um,
0: i don't i I'm moving away from writing from scratch for people. Um, okay. I'll only write for scratch myself, mostly because. I hate when it's edited by committee. Um, Yes. So Now when people come to me and said, hey, this blog post is missing something. Can you punch it up? I'll come and I'll do that.
1: Okay. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Well, I mean, the whole interview is. But what would you (laughs) say to somebody starting out if they are getting paid? Like, what should they charge for writing a blog post for somebody, for a client? Because I feel like that is just, I don't know, a hot topic. What
2: would you
0: say? There's no right answer for it. Don't charge by the word. That is the worst you can do, Um, because I write short. I would be punishing myself if I tried by the word.
1: I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, you, you write. Like, like the slogan that's always "Just Do It." Again, yeah. Five cents a word there's 15 cents for the number one slogan in the world. Um, So one, it depends how much the piece is worth to the client. Exactly. Uh, depends. That's really the major factor. Um, it depends on the length. It depends on the client. Uh, you know, if you're writing for someone that sells like trombone oil, they're not going to be able to pay you thousands and thousands of dollars for this. Right. Um, if you're paying for a top entrepreneur, then they can pay you thousands of dollars. So
2: yeah. it's all relative.
0: There's, there's it depends on your experience. So it's, it's how much it's worth to you, how much it's worth to them. Uh, I've seen it anywhere from a couple of dollars all the way to thousands of dollars. Yeah. There's no, there's no, no set answer for it.
1: Did you ever hear Shanti's beginning story about how she would write about dietary problems for like fifty dollars, and it would take her ten hours? Did she ever tell you that?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. when I knew her. Okay,
1: yeah, it's, it's. I think we can all relate there because sometimes our clients just don't understand what goes into writing the blogs, and it really is all relative.
0: Your goal is whatever you charge now. You want to look back in three years and cringe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm already cringing. This isn't good. (laughs) So Heather asked a really good question. Heather's one of our uh, digital marketing unicorns who's just good at everything. She's like, what do you do if you have a client who's married to adverbs? Some of our clients are terrible writers. Like, at what point do we go in and fix everything? Maybe like we shut up. Maybe we say something. I don't know.
0: My goal is to, and I've had those clients, I'll educate them. But if they're stuck in their ways and they're like, well, I like it this way, I'm like, All right, you're paying me.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, if this is what you really want, this is what I'll do. It just depends on how much you want to fight. You, know, you can show them better examples, but for this specific project, you might be stuck writing adverbs. Yeah, so of- leave them
1: in there. A lot of times we have our unicorns who are doing SEO on top of this. So they're having to go back, get the readability better you know, get the search words in there. And I just tell them like, if your client has written all of this, like your job's not to edit it. Just do the minor SEO, get it good enough and get it out. Yeah. That, do you think that's lazy?
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> Put you on the spot.
0: No. no, I don't. Done is better than perfect. Um, yeah. SEO has changed dramatically. Now it's based on engagement as opposed to just keyword stuffing. Yeah. So I see people, oh, we need to mention this 17 times throughout the, the page. No, you don't. Yeah. You really don't. That's what tagging is for. That's what backlinks are for. And that's what the headlines are for. Yes. Keyword stuffing is, is so 2017.
1: Okay. <laughs> that is a great quote. I love it. So, okay, we got to wrap up. Obviously, my kid just came in. That's time. And I've kept you for a long time. Will you tell everyone about your freebie, this PDF you have that will help all of us with our clients and what's in it?
0: Sure, so uh, essentially it's the, the WTF framework, the word tone and frequency," okay. um, gives you three tools to go ahead and start measuring this now. Um, just some general ideas so you can get an idea of how your clients sound and know how to approach your copy. So it gives you three free measurable tools that, uh, that you can go use right now. That's at prettyflycopy.com/voice. And uh, yeah, you'll go. You can download that. Uh, It also comes with a bonus freebie of ninety three fun ways to sign off your emails. So, like, if you're still writing like "Warm Regards, Kimberly," don't do that. Um,
1: (laughs) What do you say? What do you say in yours?
0: I change them every every email. You do. Yeah, mine are probably
1: boring. But I I just had a flashback to when I used to write for the military as a public affairs person, and I had to put VR the end of every email uh very respectfully okay Uh, i'm throwing this in your toolbox and you know the military they like everything acronym and i got passive aggressive and i spelled it out every time
0: nice (laughs) all right you show them i don't want (laughs)
1: to be told what to do
0: (laughs) and most of mine are like movie references okay if it's like to a client i love all right as you wish yeah, um, you know, things like oh,
1: that. I love that. I I like hear songs all the time on the radio. I'm like, ooh, that's a good phrase. I'm gonna put that in my little story. Oh, but totally. I'm gonna use that as a yeah. subject line. Like, I love to like steal that stuff. Like you talk about
0: Top culture references are awesome because if the person gets it, that's a bonding moment. They're like, oh, yeah. they're like Princess Bride too. I mean, it's yeah. not a, it's not an accident that Super Grover and Star Wars are behind me.
1: Yeah, uh, it's not an accident that I have uh, markers and a gnome.
0: So yeah, it's uh it's there and you know I got my stormtroopers. and
1: yeah, you got your personality in the background. And I'm really sorry. we had no cats. We had no cats.
2: I don't know Bob, where she is.
1: Palmer live.
2: What?
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Justin. If if anyone has any questions for him, please follow up in the comments. We're gonna post a link to his uh write with more personality or
0: write more personality.
1: Write more personality error. Right yeah. Uh, it's open right now for a very the short
0: time. It's closed, but I opened it for you guys for right now. Yeah, if anyone can come in. It's being refilmed next week. The content won't yeah. change, but the quality of the video will. Um, yeah. But you know the uh, the lessons are all there.
1: So the power of network. That's how Justin really got his you know business going. There's a reason I bought Justin's course when it was you know a hundred dollars. And if you guys are smart, if you know you want to be a copywriter. I'm telling you, just get it, get in now. It's going to be worth it, and then we can make side jokes about iterobangs. Did I say it right? Iterobangs, yeah. I, I, I didn't even know what that was before, but I do them all the time. We can we can have so much fun. So sign up for his course. Uh, uh, and, uh,
0: the course uh, is JustinBlackman.com.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll talk. We'll chat with you later.
0: All right. Sounds all right. good. Bye, Bye everybody.
1: Okay, please reach out to Justin. We put links in the comments. I hope you enjoyed this episode. He's a wealth of information. I love to pick his brain, talk to him. He's helped me punch my own copy in the face, looking at some of my landing pages and sales pages and whatnot. And I always learn so much from him. And I love that he adds a bit of personality and makes the writing fun. It's not just all serious and boring copy going on over here. So if you like this episode, please, please do a screenshot on Instagram and tag Justin. He'll be so flattered. He'll make me look good. And I would love to know if this helped you and what kind of guest you'd like me to have. Send me a DM. If this you found this helpful, if you have a good person in mind for me, send me a DM and give me a suggestion. So next week on the episode, we are going to be talking about contracts. Everybody's favorite thing. We're going to go super dry after doing something fun with Justin here today. So I'll see you then. Bye. If you're ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my 5-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become the unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. Did
2: so, I say that right?
1: for Fruition. I say things wrong all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird when it comes out of my mouth. So, okay, my three-year-old's over there putting on deodorant. That is a good time for me to go. Thank you so much, Justin.